and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crewe property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts Amanda Woodward and Paul Samuda. And we are today on episode 40. And I was just having a look, Paul. We are almost three years now into the podcast. And this is our 40th episode. And it's gone, you know, so quickly as the years do pass very quickly. I think it's February is our three-year anniversary. So I think we'll put together something special for that. But in the meantime, we are at the end of 2023, the end of another year. And just like anything in the world of property, there's so much going on. Nothing stands still. Lots of news, lots of activity, lots of updates. So we wanted to take the opportunity today to, I guess, reflect on the year gone by so far and then look forward into the following year. And we'll share with you our insights, our experience, what we think may or may not happen in the year ahead. And over the last few days, that strange period between Christmas and New Year, Paul and I always spend a little bit of time to just fine tune our business plan for 2024, which we generally start sort of mid to end or mid December, really. And we take this period just to fine tune it. And about the second or third page of the business plan, there's a section to reflect on the year gone by so we can take lessons and we can learn from what went fantastic and also learn from perhaps what didn't go so well throughout the year. So posing the question to Paul, I guess, to kick off this episode is reflecting back on 23, just from a macro standpoint, both the highs and the lows, just share with the listeners your perspective and your thoughts on how 2023 has gone as an industry. Okay. I mean, it feels like I haven't done a podcast forever. You, you, you've taken the reins, man. I know you've done <laughs> something to use two or three, but I plan to be back for 2024. You can go all the way back to pre-COVID, funny enough, and 2023 has been no different to the previous years, going back as far as 2019, because there has never been a dull moment in the sector. The whole of government policy has been directed at influencing the private rented sector, tenants, landlords. And to be honest, I think landlords, I don't think it's controversial, have ended up with a shitty end of the stick, the tax or anything else. So 2023 was a little bit interesting. On one side, the big elephant in the room was the massive hike in interest rates, which started sort of in 2022, but really um, jumped through to the summer of, of this year. And I mean, we're pretty good at, at, at force planning our interest rates and fixing or not fixing. But I don't think anybody saw this coming at the speed it did. As a country, we hiked probably faster and quicker than anybody else because of inflation. So, so that was the macro backdrop. It was high interest rates, which let's face it, that increased our costs. It was high energy prices, which affected everybody. We had a, a little bit of a, a subsidy from the government, but that obviously dried up at the beginning of the year. The contrast to that was that rents jumped. We were able to increase our rents because of demand. And I think I've said on the previous podcast, I think the government made a bit of a boot by 
giving so much of a hard time to landlords. Landlords said, don't want to play this game anymore, I'm off, which meant less property in the market. So rents can only go one way. First time buyers weren't buying because interest rates were sky high and they were nervous and, and, and rightly so. So there's been a real squeeze and I think, and those famous last words, I think the government has realized that maybe squeezing landlords in the way that they had is probably not a good idea um, for a group of people, you know, small, medium or large landlords. We do look after almost all of the population in terms of rentals. So I think 2023 started off more of the same, a bit negative, high interest rates, people a little bit nervous, tough decisions. I think I did a, a paper or a comment somewhere where I said, where I said property is a long-term investment. We treat it as a business. And we always encourage investors to see it as a long-term investment, 10 years. So you get these blips, <clears throat> you get these one or two year blips where interest rates do jump. They're changing legislations. And, you know, we tough it out and we want our, our landlord partners and all landlords to tough it out as best they can because we firmly believe uh, there's no other better investment long-term like, like property. Now, just going back to why I think things might be changing, there was a few changes. You know, we're all expecting the Section 21 to be put on scrap heap, and that was paused. We were expecting that EPCs were going to be, you know, forced upon us in terms of the standard of the property from, from an energy standpoint. That was thrown out or paused. And, you know, Mr. Gold, in terms of levying up, he, there was some consultation around HMOs and the effect that council tax by the room was having in HMOs. And that was ceremoniously passed in our favor. So from a landlord perspective, you sort of think, oh, hang on a second, you know, has someone now spoke, woken up and smelled the coffee? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And I think, you know, me being cautiously optimistic generally, I think there probably is. Now, that's it. So you, you, we end up in 2023 on a bit of a positive, but then we've got to take into account the bigger picture of politics for 2024. Everybody expects there to be an election where there's going to be a budget in March, which in an election year. But, you know, all the pollsters are saying that the Tory boys and girls are going to be absolutely trounced. And I think there's a strong possibility, you know, even if you're the most hardened Tory to say that's probably going to happen. So the Labour government comes in, Mr. Starmer and Ms. Rayner comes in and they're talking about a whole bunch of things on the first day, first 30 days, first 100 days. And property renters are clearly in their crosshairs. So the positive news could possibly be undone going forward. Now, obviously, in an election or lead up to an election, you have to save a rattle and, you know, sort of promote to your potential voters all the things you're going to do. And if you want to get renters voters, then you have to say you're going to protect renters. And this is where Section 21 comes in. And if you think the big fat cats are landlords, then you want them to spend all their massive profits, because as landlords, we make massive profits every year, don't we? Not to invest in the property and make properties safer, more energy efficient, at the same time, not receiving any rent because we can't serve Section 21. So long and short of it, that while where we are now could be tentatively positive, that could all change with the Labour government if they carry through their threats of implementing Banning of Section 21 and EPCs come back in, in the picture. So so we go forward with that sort of backdrop. So I think that's what I really have to say on 2023. I'm really excited about the fact that we had the HMO 
tax changes. I know a lot of individual landlords were suffering in silence. Some not in silence. Some didn't make the cut because of that. So that, now that gives us more flexibility and it does encourage people to invest in HMOs. You know, I think the one thing I would say, and then I'll let you come in, Amanda, is that, you know, we have in our portfolio a mixture of HMOs, Vitalets and SA. And HMOs have been put to the test, I think, in my eyes. Firstly, COVID. Secondly, through energy increases. And they've been solid. They've been like a brick wall. They haven't budged. They've been able to absorb increases. Obviously, we've increased the rent. But I think the fact that we're able to spread the cost across a number of rooms has really helped us. And we seem to have a little bit more flexibility than the single let landlord. I mean, I had a single let in London where the tenant wasn't paying me. He went through some few issues. And he was a good tenant. He's been there for a while. But there was two months where I didn't get any rent because I was totally dependent on that one tenant. And when things are tough, that can be a real bugger. So I think HMOs are still the test in time. And they've been able to come through, not unscathed, but relatively strong as a result of this. So the news of no cash tax by the room was just reaffirming the strength and the beauty of owning HMOs. The lenders still like them and they realize that, that HMOs has its pluses. We take a little bit of heat on the utilities, energy costs and stuff like that, because we've got to pay that. But notwithstanding that, I think they're, they're great investments. We're, we're certainly, as you know, continuing to, to invest in that area. So that's me. I'm going to stop rambling on now and um, let you take over. Well, I think that was a great summing up of, of 2023. I have got a couple of questions for you. You mentioned about the EPC Section 21 and HMO Council tax by the room, and the government had many U-turns last year across a whole plethora of... Many governments, I don't know about U-turns, many governments. Yeah, exactly. But there was those three key U-turns. And we had Wendy Whitaker on the podcast just recently talking about the HMO by the room you know, win. Would you say that's probably the biggest highlight or win of 2023? Have we had any other sort of positives because it has been quite a challenging year as you said and it was only towards the end of the year we had a few wins is there any positives or highlights that we can share perhaps in our own business just from a micro standpoint as well as a macro that that we can share some other positives i mean one that springs to mind is is how strong the rents are for hmos and like you say that has protected against all of those increases i'm just wondering if there's anything else from a positive standpoint that we've seen throughout the year i think the biggest win has to be the hiking rents, the jumping rents, and the ability to do that. And the fact that, you know, there's a supply-demand squeeze, there's limited supply, so demand goes through the roof, and that sort of plays into our hand. And to be fair, if we weren't able to do that, right, we'd be out of business. You know, many landlords be out of business, and look, we're selling up, we can't do this anymore. So I think that's the biggest win, because that's just the economics of the situation taking over, and the economics were in our favour. The HMO, cash tax by the room, is obviously only relevant to HMO landlords, who potentially because most HMOs don't have this issue. So they're obviously just HMOs that have either converted um, from a commercial to a, a C4 or sui generis property. So there's only a, a small percentage that will affect, but that small percentage would be very happy either if they were already paying cash tax by room and we have an, a, a landlord who's in that position. And we know of few in our existing areas and the new areas that we're involved in, Darby and Burton Trent were also in that position. So that's a big win for them because it's an immediate boost to their cash flow. I think the fear was was around Section 21, what do we do? Because courts are clogged up. And that was the main reason that they paused Section 21, because they knew that they didn't have the or infrastructure to support any new schemes that were coming out with replacements for Section 21 or improvements to Section 8. So that's a tentative win, but we think long term, it, it, it's definitely going to go. 
But I don't think we can underestimate how painful it is when your mortgage jumps from three hundred pounds a month to you know three times that amount because you had a, a fixed rate that came up for renewal. You know, you know, we've had some one in particular we were unable to to sort, which we were paying three hundred and something, and it jumped to eight hundred and something. Especially with the sm the smaller mortgage lenders who aren't mainstream lenders, it was a race against time to do a refi on one, where this I think it was Keystone they wanted to charge us nine percent uh, borrowing on our HMO HMO mortgage, and that was when we had it figured out that we were about three point eight percent. So the smaller lenders have really taken advantage of the situation. So I think nothing can dull that pain if you're falling into that situation where you're paying extra. But I think a win's a win. We've got to take it and we've got to move forward to 2024, feeling that there's we've got a bit of a breeze behind us and be positive. I think 2024, if we get a little bit of heat from the new potential government and what they have in store, I think that might be contrasted with the drop in interest rates. Everybody's betting that interest rates will fall going forward. So you know that's going to be a win for the landlords that have mortgages, which is a bunch of landlords that don't have mortgages. Sure. And then looking forward into 2024, how would you sum up sort of the sentiment for the industry going forward or perhaps your personal sentiment in terms of the space that we operate in? I think 2023 overall was a tough year for a whole bunch of reasons. 2024 should be better, subject to a change in government. I think we have, as I mentioned previously, we have an interest rate for base rate is going to be 5.25%. I'd be very surprised if it's not less than 4% by the end of the year. So a 1.25% cut, uh, people are suggesting more. It really depends on the economy. We had a big drop in inflation, which is what heightened the interest rates. And you know the government itself, I mean, they pay interest on their debt, so they want to see a fall as well. But it's complicated. I think if you're a landlord and if you're thinking long-term, you're going to take this win in 2023. And whilst you're not going to go out and buy everything that moves, you're going to plan carefully. You're going to do your numbers carefully. And you're going to negotiate hard if you're buying. The property market has done relatively well. I think London's dipped. But all in all, the heavy drop, the 20% drop in property prices that were promoted by the press, and you know, they exaggerate, just didn't happen. I think all it meant was that people were open to a little bit of negotiation. I mean, I know my brother sold his house and he, I think he dropped his price by about 10 grand. 10 or 15,000 pounds, but he was probably 10 or 15,000 pounds too optimistic. So he probably got it at the price, uh, the, the, what the property was worth. And I think people have been doing that. They've been, you know, dropping 5,000 pounds here, 10,000 pounds here. And because they've made gains over the previous years, I think they've been okay. So from an investor standpoint, I don't think the, the pucker deals that we've seen previously are going to be there. And with interest rates falling, I think that will just strengthen property prices going forward. What I don't know is in 2024, whether landlords will say, we'll continue to sell. And that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem for the government. That's a problem for the space. Our government over the last few years were under the illusion that they could corporatize the private rental sector and have all these built to rent projects. I mean, it's a freaking pipe dream. And it's typical government big thinking, but they're big thinking because they're copying another country where culturally, People like to rent in Germany. People like to rent in Germany. They like to rent in France. In in the UK, people rent because they have to, no, not because they like to. They rent because they have to. People want to buy. So the built to rent sector is not going to you know take over twenty percent, thirty percent. I think at the moment it's like two percent of the rental market. 
and maybe slated to grow a little bit faster. But you know, if it if it gets over five percent, I'll be very surprised. I'll be very surprised. So I think for our landlords, I mean, we'd be telling them to be cautious in 2024. Be care- very careful how you time your interest rates. I had a I speak to a lender the other day or, my, or the broker the other day, and I went for I did a product switch, and I could have fixed at I think five point four something for two years, and I went for a a tracker, two year tracker. So that meant that as interest rates fall, my rate falls, and the tracker was something like six point three or something like that. So I'm paying a little bit more now, but I expect. A good one and a half percent to come off by the end of 2024, and probably another half a percent going to 2025. So that's two percent. So it brings it down to something low threes by mid 2025. So when you're planning, you don't want to be, you know, in 2025 fixing something a five year fixed at six percent. In 2025, interest rates are three percent or three and a half percent. So be very careful in terms of the way. You look at your situation. Know, everybody's situation is different in terms of the size of your mortgage. So I think that's going to be a key thing. It's going to be a very key thing. And the other thing, going back to HMO landlords, I think the commercial sector is going to be a problem. Where we live, it's vibrant, but there's still a bunch of shops that are empty. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. There's going to be a lot of surplus space. So I think what is good is that you can go in and convert stuff to HMOs if the numbers work out in the knowledge that you're not going to get screwed with council tax. I think that's going to be a big plus. The other thing that we didn't mention, which came in the last budget in November, was and this may be easy for guys down south rather than north because of values, but the government allowed conversions of retail and commercial buildings to do two flats above without planning, to do conversion of houses into two flats without planning. So they've broadened the permitted development, which is their way of saying, you know, we need more housing. We want to help you as best we can. So I think all in all, the second half of 2023 had a good bunch of, of positives. It's up to us as landlords to see which one suits us best. How do the numbers look? Not over 12 months, but how do the numbers look potentially long term? And jump on board. One thing the Labour government has said, they are pretty positive about and relaxing planning permission and planning consent. You know, they might tweak a few things at the edges because you have to, because it was a Tory policy to say you don't want to just take take the Tory policy on board wholesale. But they have said that, as far as I think I've got my information correct, that they're they're okay with loosening up the planning regulations. So for people, the larger landlords that do want to do conversions, I think that's got to be a plus. And that's been a gravy train for the last 10 years, to be fair. If you convert stuff and turn them into flats under permitted development, it's been you know a good run. Combine that with increased rent, service accommodation, that's been a plus. So when things got get a little bit difficult, you know, it would be unfair for us to scream and complain loudly because we've had some good years as well. So we've got to balance that off. So I hope I've answered that question, Amanda, going to 2024. I don't think we are buying anything in the first quarter because we're finishing off our, our 19-bed monster. And I can never remember whether it's 18 or 19. And that was our biggest challenge in 2023, managing that ourselves while ensuring that the management business sticks over. So I think in 2024, we'll get that one out of the way. But we're definitely looking for another conversion, whether it's that large, whether it's flats or I don't know, but, you know, yeah. I think there's a mix of sentiment over the last couple of years about whether to buy or not, whether to wait for a crash. 
that just has never come. But I think our message has always been to continue to buy, but just to make sure that you buy well. I don't think in our 12 years of investing with them, they really had a period of not buying. You just maybe perhaps change your strategy a little bit or change your criteria. But we've always been very bullish in terms of continuing you know, to push through this period. I thought it was quite interesting what you said about that last product switch in terms of taking the tracker versus the fixed. And I think that comes down to understanding and experience in the market. Because if you're not too sure and you are hesitant to forecast, um, then you might take the fix because at least I know what my mortgage payment is and I'm going to stick with that. But knowing the market and being able to sort of fairly confidently forecast what's going to happen, you can then make better decisions. And I would expect that most of our listeners to the podcast do have an element of experience and can forecast ahead. But I thought that was really quite valuable just in terms of understanding your kind of perspective on the market. I know when we walk through our business plan, we always have a SWOT analysis where we look forward on the year and try to identify, you know, what are our strengths and weaknesses as a business? And what do we think the opportunities and threats are? Again, more on a micro level to our business, but it's what's happening in the wider space that affects us. So a question that I've got for you is looking forward to next year, what do you think our biggest opportunities are? And also those threats that we need to be cognizant of and sort of effectively cover our, cover our backs on? I think the biggest threat is politics. I've spoken enough and that already in terms of changing government. They've already told us what they're going to do. I mean, if any of our landlord list, listeners have people going, have kids going to school, like fee-paying schools, they've already said they're going to slap VAT on that. So you've got to plan ahead in anticipation of some of the things that they may do and assume they are going to do them. So that will be a potential threat and you plan accordingly. So you're either going to sell, you're going to plan to increase rents. If it's an EPC thing, you're either going to invest in your property to upgrade it to get that that particular grade or not so so that's a, a big thing the reflect to the opportunities i think one of the things which has happened in in in, in crew and stoke which we talk about a lot but i don't know how cognizant our listeners are but the makeup of the people renting hmos have have changed for us quite substantially and that's directly as a result of government policy when we got involved in crew especially it was a very strong and vibrant former Eastern European market. And then Brexit happened and all that's changed. Brexit has shut the door to Europeans, but you know, whether by accident or by design, it's opened the door for people from other parts of the world. Combine that with crises in the NHS or recruiting, a crisis in the care sector for recruiting, because you know, Europeans are no longer here to fill those jobs. So you have a bunch of people coming from other parts of the world filling those jobs and you know helping out the country supporting our, our, our institutions that has now filtered through in the makeup of the people applying for hmos in in stoke and crew so understanding that is important and even understanding the, a little bit of the culture of the people coming in they're coming in from from india they're coming in from parts of, of africa so we were speaking to a, a landlord the other day and you know, the culture of, of these people coming in is that they cook a lot more. They spend a lot more time in the kitchen. So cups get broken. Just like small things like that is, is something that we need to take into account. But anyway, the wider point is that the makeup and the demographic of the people coming to stay is has changed, has changed. And will change, you know, depending on circumstances. The government tried to bring in this policy and it was outvoted. Or well, they did a U-turn, I think, in terms of what the minimum salary was. You can't bring other family members up. And I don't want to criticize our, our podcast but you know the whole immigration policy is controversial 
but it does affect in people in stoke people in crew from a from an accommodation standpoint and does affect our landlords so i keep an eye on work with agencies more and more agencies springing up where they have been paying on behalf of some of the new people coming in and almost guaranteeing the rent from that standpoint and we see them popping up all the time so i think that's an opportunity going forward for some of our landlords what i would say is that the three-bedroom hmo is now really tough to make profit really tough to make profitable we have a few and we just about do it because we've got good solid corporate groups in so i think people really need to be looking at a minimum of four bedroom but ideally five bedroom and above so the more rooms the better i think that's the message there's going to be some opportunities to to do some small commercial conversions to to five and five plus rooms i don't know about converting flats in stoke and crew because i don't know whether you get the values in flats but they may be worth converting and do them as i say because while you might not get the value you might get the cash flow as well as i say well, you've almost answered my next question as if you're psychic, Paul. But my next question was going to be, let's group our listeners into two camps. So let's say we have sort of new or small slash inexperienced investors. So investors that might have either zero or a couple of properties. That's group, you know, one group. And the second group will be experienced investors like ourselves who are you know, driving the growth of their portfolio. So they're the two groups. So what advice do we give going into next year? for both groups in terms of what they should be doing next year. So if we start with, the, you know, you're very new or you're just getting started, what's your advice for that group for next year? I think for the new group, you've got a couple of properties and every, everybody's is, is different. Yeah. If I give an example of where we weren't able to, so as some of our listeners may know, we've broadened our management business to other parts of the country, Birmingham, Derby and Burton. And I spoke to a landlord who had a couple of properties in Birmingham. As an example, I used by way of example. And they bought badly. They bought at the top of the market. There were flats. So there was quite heavy service charge. They, their mortgage was all wrong. And when I crunched the numbers, it didn't matter what I did. An essay was what they bought them for. The flats had to be running at 90% occupancy all year round at pucker rates for it to cover all the costs. Yeah. So my point is, it depends on everybody's circumstances. But if you have a reasonable mortgage or no mortgage at all, and the first thing is, am I profitable? Am I making some money? Because everybody needs to get paid. And if you're profitable, then your job is to maintain that profitability. Keep an eye on all the costs. Control, obviously, your mortgage costs. If it's a single let, then obviously they pay the costs. Be very aware of your tenant. Because tenants have been stretched because of the living crisis and everything. So do keep in touch and try and assess whether they have that affordability. Because if they don't have the affordability, it's just a matter of time before they say, I can't pay the rent. So keep an eye on that. And sometimes that's talking with your agent, keep an eye on the agent. Maybe not going crazy in terms of some of the rental increases. Just see, are they paying on time? Are they paying a couple of days late? Has a couple of days turned into three or four days late? That's obviously a red flag. And you need to have the renewals. So after the six months or 12 month period, you look at the renewals and assess whether you want to keep that tenant. And that might sound harsh, but what you don't want is not to receive rent for three, six months because they've left their job or they've got themselves into a bit of a pickle. And, you know, you're the first cost that goes, knowing that you can't boot them out that particularly quickly because of the plugging up of a court system. If you have a couple and you're looking, should I be buying? Our mantra is that buy well. Do the numbers based on 
6% mortgage if you're taking out a mortgage. Look at your areas well. Are they growth areas? Are they desirable areas where people want to move into and will pay a little bit of a premium? So that's schools and hospitals. Are they close to stations or are they close to retail markets? Just the convenience factor, because that's a big factor when people, and there's more competition for people wanting to live in those areas. So you can be a little bit choosy. And when you do your numbers, if you take a five-year period, so in the first year, you expect to make this amount of cash flow. But over those five years, you'll probably increase your rents possibly three times. So figure that in. Try and take a view of future values. Uh, I always use the Savills forecasting tool. They always give a forecast of the whole country and say, this is what we think in the next five years, the Northwest is going to grow by 20%, 18%. This is what we think the Southeast is going to grow by. This is what we think the North is going to grow by. And you can use that figure as a guide in terms of what's my value going to be worth in five years' time. So if you bought something, let's say in the north, and you've paid 100 grand for it, and the market grows by 20%, you're going to make 20 grand in five years' time. If you've increased your rent three times, and in the first year you were making, I don't know, 3,000 pounds a year, but by increasing your rent three times, and in the five years, you could be making 5,000 pounds a year. When you start to combine, that's a good deal. So crunch those figures. We as part of our management, we offer an advisory service in terms of portfolio planning and building that we can assist people in doing that and taking a view of where they're looking at, or we can source property for them. And that's part of the services that we offer. And we've done a few of that for a bunch of our landlords already. Now we can do that, you know, in other parts of the country, in, in Birmingham, Derby, and Bernard Trent. But primarily this podcast is Stoke and Crew, but we can definitely assist people, advise people on what they should be doing. And sometimes it just get a little bit too much and you want to have another pair of eyes just to sit down with you you know, and just pay them a few quid and say, they'll just walk me through what you think my best options are. Yeah. I mean, accumulating the assets is sort of part one. And obviously, you know, almost the most important part, let's actually own a whole bunch of houses. But like you say, it's all about profitability, isn't it? And then what do we need to do to keep those profitable and to maintain them for the long term? And and that that really is an important part. Just one more thing, actually, just to stress, there's the purchasing, the managing and making money. But there's also all the legal and your certification. We've just this morning had an exchange of communication with one landlord where let's say they were a little bit coy on providing their paperwork. And there are quite a few additional fines floating about and the Renters Reform Bill focuses on that. And as a landlord, you have some obligations. You have to do certain things. You have to provide certain bits of paper. You have to do certain checks on an ongoing basis. And that's why a lot of landlords use imagination like ourselves for them. But that administration and legal responsibility is going to increase. It doesn't matter which government is in power because the government wants to keep renters safe and healthy. You know, we've had more call-outs for mold than we've ever had, and we've had to react quickly to do that. So that's something that landlords need to be conscious of, whether they're small or large. And their obligation, their responsibilities, are only going to increase going forward. So they should plan a little bit of money for that, a little bit of time for that, speak to their agent about that, and ensure that they're all over that. Good. That was a good addition. Okay, so moving on to our medium to large portfolio owners going into this market in 2024, what's your advice for those? I think 2024, I would say, okay, let's look at the next six years, 2030. What do I want to achieve in the next 30, six years? And let's say you have 10 properties, yeah, and they're a mix of HMOs and Vitalets. I think you've got to make a decision. Do I want to move forward and add Vitalets or add HMOs? Or do I want to go into SA? So I think there's a decision to make there. And it doesn't have to be one or t'other. It just has to be 
you know, I want to double the size of my portfolio in the next two, three, four, five, six years, or triple the size, whatever you do. I want to, you know, we used to have a triangle I used to talk about, start off a bite length, then small HMOs, then large HMOs, then commercial, and then commercial conversions, then builds, then large developments. And how much, how fast do I want to go up that triangle? Do I want to move into larger HMOs? Do I want to go into developments? And actually have that, that's my plan. In the next six years, this is what I'm going to do. Once you decide that, then you know what you need to do from a capital standpoint. Or you could do it the other way and say, this is what I'm earning out of my portfolio at the moment, but I want to increase the income for my portfolio. And that might steer you as to what you should be doing. So if you've been single lets all the way, you might go single lets, but I'm going to do half of them. I'm going to do SA because I understand SA is going to generate more income. Or I don't do single lets anymore. I'm going to do HMOs. I know they're going to cost a little bit more in terms of initial investment, but I know I'm going to make three times the money on a single HMO than I do with a buy to let. And I'm going to be more insulated going forward. So those are decisions you're going to be making in terms of, I would say, strategic decisions. If you're a medium to large size landlord, unless you're at that particular age where you think I'm going to sell half and use that money to pay off the other half of the debt, you're probably going to hold and or grow. So if you're holding with a view of how can I squeeze more juice out of this? And if you want to grow, it's what direction do I go? Is it more of the same? Do I diversify a little bit in terms of the type of properties I'm buying? Do I go for a different type of let, i.e. SA versus buy to let? And those are the sort of questions I would be asking. And then the last thing is when you have a larger portfolio, then you have a little bit more flexibility in terms of taking on any increase in interest rates, things like that. But the finance becomes a little bit more detailed. We have always taken the view that we want a mix of funding within our portfolio. So a chunk will be fixed and some will be on tracker just because we're not sure what we're going to do with them going forward or they might be coming we might be expecting a drop in interest rates, so we leave those on tracker and take advantage of that, then fix them there. So you have to be a little bit fluid with regard to your portfolio and the financing of that portfolio. The other thing I think about, you want to raise some cash off the portfolio as well because you want to do bigger deals. So again, if you want to raise cash, the type of financing you have in place, you may not go for a fixed deal because you might want to refinance, take some money out. So you might do it as a tracker for now so that you can refinance down the road. So those are strategies, and those are the things that we can advise on, as our listeners know. I mentored for 10 years around the country, speaking to a whole bunch of small, medium, and large investors. So we can advise and help on that side of things. But the key thing, whether you're small or large, I always say treat it as a business. Uh, have rules, have disciplines in there, have some budgets, have some forecasts, uh, do a little plan. It doesn't have to be a sophisticated plan. It could be a one-page plan, uh, but have a little bit of a plan. Stick to that plan. And, and, and work that plan. Now, I think as we sort of close off the episode, there's a question that I have and also an update for our listeners. So Paul very leisurely dropped in earlier that we are starting to operate in other areas. So I just wanted to share a little bit more about that because after sort of 12 years or so of focusing in Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle, Underlime and Crew, we have decided to also look at some other areas. So we're working with some fantastic partners and have launched in uh, Derby, Burton-on-Trent, Birmingham, and some of the small areas surrounding that, such as Tamworth. And we are providing HMO management services, serviced accommodation management services, along with buying and selling of property as well. So it's a really exciting time. And I will hope to get Matt and Laura on the podcast at some point to share a little bit more about those locations and what we're doing there. So if you are listening and you do either have property there or thinking about those areas, we'll be starting to send some more literature through our database about what we're doing. And we'd be really keen to you know, have a chat with anyone who's operating in those areas for sure. 
But we do also have some listeners who are quite keen, Paul, in just understanding our business, either people that work with us already, whether they're investors or landlords, sourcing clients, and those that maybe are yet to work with us, but do just take a keen interest in our business. Perhaps you can share some of the stuff that we've planned you know, for 2024 within central management and you know, maybe not all the details. We can't give away the crown jewels, but just to you know, put some meat on the bone in terms of what we're doing locally. Yeah, I think going forward in 2024, we both own and manage. So we have to ensure that the properties at all times have to be fit for purpose. So we want to ensure that they're, they're, they're dry, healthy, our paperwork is in place. So we're always focusing on that, where we've taken on more team members to assist on the compliance side of things, which now covers not just certificates, a whole bunch of things, inspections and things like that. In terms of the way we pull in business, we're looking at different ways to bring in new business at a higher rate. And some of our landlords do receive business off some of the OTAs, the, the travel portals, where certainly some of the new areas, we've seen people that book four months online. And instead of getting £600 a month as a HMO room rate, they'll be getting £850 a month. The only difference is that they get the towel and sheets and pillows when they turn up and a few amenities. So that's a lot, very much more profitable for the landlord. We'd like to do a little bit more of that. We're going to work with more of the charities for a few properties that are, they like the large properties, seven, eight, nine, ten bedroom properties, because their market is changing. So we're going to work with them and try and help them find more properties. We're going to be doing more sourcing. We're going to be looking for properties, more properties for existing landlords and for new landlords who want to invest in, in Stoke and Crew and some of the other areas. And that's something that we used to do before, but as we grew the management business, we did less of. We're now going to do a little bit more of that. What else are we looking to do? Well, we've got our, in uh, terms of our macro side, we've we're currently managing around about the five hundred room mark. Yeah. We're looking to increase that by about thirty percent this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's why we brought on the additional members of the team in, in anticipation of that. It means also upgrading our systems, which, to be fair, that's been tougher than I actually thought. There's lots of systems out there, but there's no one system that handles long stay and short stay in a way that we would like. Historically, we would have just built our own, but that's now become quite expensive to do bespoke systems. I think we're looking to introduce a certain amount of automation or AI. AI is the buzzword at the moment. And we're seeing how can we introduce a little bit more automation or AI into what we do to speed up our processes, to speed up our communication with our tenants and landlords for that matter, but mainly tenants, and reduce our costs and then maybe pass those costs onto onto our landlords. And that's that's a new area for us, but that's one of the goals that we have. How can we take advantage of the the AI solutions that are out there and how does that integrate? I think it's probably going to be more on the short stay side, but there's definitely going to be some benefits right across the board. I think think the property market doesn't change massively. The legislation has changed, but the market as a whole doesn't change massively. I think the worst thing that ha- has happened is Article 4 in Crew, and the fact that we're still talking about that is an indication. Crew is a bustling area and needs more accommodation. And I think it's down to us to take a lead in trying to create additional accommodation and push through the planning system to get some more properties in the register. And I mean, you know, I should encourage landlords to look, do the same. We are lacking properties in Crew. We have. Charities, we have the demand from, a, from an accommodation standpoint, and we just don't have the rooms that are fit for purpose. 
So I think that's one of the things that probably in the second half of 2024, we're going to look at for sure. I mean, we can't wait to go up against Cheshire's planning committee with a HMO and crew, can we? I mean, we're it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, be on, I'll be on the front page of the Chronicle again. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But yeah, obviously you'd want positive news from it, but we do want to start to test test their um, processes now, don't we, in terms of their decision to place the Article 4 in crew. All right, well, good. Well, that was a, a good summing up. You know, Paul's uh, super private, so he doesn't like to share too much on the ins and outs of our personal business. You know me, I like to share I think that's great. I think that's been a great summing up reflection on last year, some ideas and advice and guidance through to next year. Any parting words before we wrap up? I think second half of 2023 was in our favour. We can only hope that's going to continue going through the 2024. You know, subject to any black swans that come our way, I think we're over the whole COVID thing. I think we now need to look at building again. And I encourage landlords to look at property long term and, and start to look at building their portfolio. Well, probably more on the commercial to residential side. And then there's opportunities going to be there. It's find the right property and scouring some of those streets, some of those high streets, some of those retail shops. I mean, our last few purchases have all been commercial and they've been great in terms of the return and in terms of how they look afterwards. So sometimes we can be a little bit daunted by doing a commercial deal, but you know we can handhold people and assist them, whether through the planning process or through the conversion process. So we're already introduced couple of builders to people that are doing big conversions and they're happy with them so there's a lot that we can do to support we don't do it for free it's obviously where we're a business as well but we have the experience to help and support but i think we should start rebuilding again and you know what a very good friend of mine in a in a far off land i always used to ask him he doesn't how does he navigate the political scene with frequent change of government in this particular country there's a frequent change of government and he says oh i have my goals set and it doesn't matter what government if i hit my goals and, you know, I think I take that on board and want our landlords to take that on board. That we got to hit our goals, hit our financial goals, hit our wealth goals, hit our income goals, regardless of the government and regardless of legislation. And on that note, I think that's a fantastic way to end the podcast. So thank you, Paul, for your words of wisdom. We really value your knowledge and experience and our listeners can take a lot from that. So thank you. Going into 2024, we would love to hear more from our listeners. So if there are particular subjects that you'd like us to cover, whether that be big picture or whether it be some of the local activity happening in Stoke-on-Trent or further afield, then please get in touch. Please let us know. We love to make sure that we're providing, you know, good, informative, you know, local content for you guys to listen to. So until next year, Happy New Year to everybody who's listening and we look forward to more episodes going forward. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.